Hello, everyone. We got a bonus episode this week as Chelsea Ladd will join us on the other part. This focuses more on a Tigers draft and we answer your questions from Twitter that we got. So we got a really good response. So, so thank you to everybody who gave us the questions. We really appreciate it. The first part with Chelsea is talk about some of the current topics and we go over her draft grades and what the whole situation is going on with baseball and some good indie ball information. Check out our website, dugoutdish.com. Some really good information over there. Follow her on Twitter. Thanks again for support. We really appreciate it. Again, questions were awesome this week. More questions like that, please, every week would be great. And next week, Dan Hasty and Trevor Hoof will be joining us, and Chris and I will be making a podcast appearance. So more details on that to come on our respective social media pages. Our thanks to Chelsea Ladd. You find her at, she is the founder of dugoutdish.com. Really appreciate her coming on, giving some perspective on the draft, what she liked, talk a little bit about the history of indie ball, and learn quite a bit about the Windy City Thunderbolts. So there's a, there's some teams in the independent league with some cool names out there, and with the Frontier League coming out, or coming back into action a little bit, and then you, we talked about this a little earlier with Northwest League, or Northwood League, and some point, hopefully, we'll hear something about the United Shore, which is some good baseball here locally in Michigan. But we have questions to ask. We have some questions from the audience. But let's let's go back into the draft a little bit and let's talk about the Tigers' picks. No shocker, we're at I was at your when I was there at your house. Spencer Tokelson, number one overall, and number two, the the, the second round pick, Chris, I, I think came to a shock to a lot of people with Dylan. Uh, yeah, you know, I was surprised that he fell. That was that was the main shock to me, and we did yeah. I and mean, Torkelson drafted as a third baseman was kind of shocking, but we not you know we had we had heard that that was a possibility from Harris, uh, who had heard it from Al Avila himself. So it wasn't that much of a shock to us, but I think it shocked everybody else. But yeah, Dingler, I I thought and I had predicted on our show that I, I thought he was going to go in the top twenty. He seemed like he was just rising all spring, um, and so it was kind of odd to see him fall. And I think the Tigers were really probably. I don't think they ever thought he would be there, so they were probably really happy to get him. Like I don't even know that they, they what did they say? They said they had four different scouts see him this spring just by happenstance. Yeah, so that's they felt really good about him, and, and yeah, so that was that was a little bit shocking to me that he was there. But yeah, it was a great value pick. I know you know Braden was here, and he's not crazy about catchers unless they're going to hit a ton, and that's that's a probably a pretty reasonable stance. But I think still, you know, when you, when you get a potential value like that, you have to take it. Absolutely. And the thing is, too, with Dylan, you son son of a bitch, bitch. Dylan Dingler, you know, here's the thing about him, too. Like you talk about his like the power numbers were surging a little bit. You had he had a little bit of a he broke his wrist last year, couldn't play in the Cape Cod League because of the injury. So that could have also scared off teams. But if you look at the back half into the competitive balance round, Chris, it was it was it was a run on pitcher. So it started around pick number twenty four. Pick 22, actually, with it kind of it went with Cave Cavelli uh, for the Nationals and Carson Tucker, Nick Bisco, Schuster. Soderstrom was the first catcher picked, the, the catcher out of high school for the A's. Mm-hmm. Then you had Aaron Sabato, who was rising up some draft boards to the first baseman on North Carolina, big, powerful looking kid. Austin Wells, another catcher that went beforehand, although they think that Wells might not end up being a catcher, Chris. Is that right? Yeah, I mean, there's some pretty big questions about his arm, I think, mostly, and, and his ability to, to catch. But he's uh, 
he's one of the better hitters in the draft. And, and so I think he said, you know, play me wherever and I'll just hit home runs in Yankee Stadium. So, all right then. Yeah, yeah, no, I think you make a good point that there was basically where Dingler could start going. There were a lot of teams who had multiple picks and started getting a little bit more creative. Like, hey, like the, you know, the uh, Cleveland took, like you said, uh, Tucker. And I think they were going to get him for probably a little bit under slot. And then because they had another pick in the competitive balance round. So, yeah, it may have just been where, you know, Dingler just wasn't part of a lot of these sort of uh, multi-part plans for teams. Yeah, especially because, like, you saw Drew Romo, who went to number, pick number 35 to Colorado. And yeah, that was shocking was, to me. That, that was a little bit shocking. But, Chris, do you think it was also because something to do with perhaps soundability with that one? Or is that because, I mean, I know he was really highly regarded, but I was kind of curious that it seemed like, you know, a little high. You, you know, I so I view the Rockies as one of the organizations of baseball that is very traditional from a scouting perspective. And so Drew Romo is just a terrific defensive catcher. You know, I think a lot of people think he's the best defensive catcher in the draft. And so, um, you know, I just feel like they liked him and they, they took him because they didn't think he was going to be there for his, at his next pick. And uh, so it just made, yeah, I, I, he was still a little bit early. I, I never would have guessed that he would have gone off the board before Dingler because Dingler has pretty good defensive uh, potential and, fewer questions about his offense i think uh there's still some questions but that's the big question with romo is like you know is he gonna hit he's got some power from both sides of the plate i believe but it's you know people aren't sure he's gonna hit and he's been around you know he's been on a lot of showcase circuits so it was a bit of a risky pick but i know i don't know it's a jerry weinstein or whatever there's a big uh catching guru there in, in colorado and so they might coach him up good and even if he's just a great defensive catcher who hits you at like 220 with 25 home runs that's still a lot of value but it just it seemed a little bit early to me yeah i mean he is a ca- switching catcher so he, that's good time but his pop times was at 1.6 and then 1.91 game action so that that is appealing and then but we've talked about this before with high school catchers chris with the sam mcmillan in the world of course detroit's completely different when it comes to something like that where you saw mcmillan getting better p- pitch recognition but he's still not driving the ball out of the infield but you know you Drew Romo's tools do make him a, a guy that you could. Yeah. I think he could. I still think that, in, in my opinion, he could. You could have got him maybe in the second. You still could have got him in the second round. Yeah, I mean, I actually in, in the the mega mock, I had the Rockies taking him with their next pick, so it, he felt like a kid the Rockies would take. I just didn't think it would be that early. And, and you know, t- traditionally, one of the hardest things with high school catching is is you know, it's just it's the hardest defensive position to play, and so it's it's you got to go over pitching reports. You got to work on your framing. You got to work on your blocking. You got to work on your arm. You got to work on all that stuff. And you got to work on your hitting from both sides of the plate for Romo. But I guess one thing you could say is, is he's so advanced defensively already that he might not, I mean, he's still going to have to work on his defense, obviously, but it might not be, he might be able to spend more time on his offense than most uh, high school catchers who are trying to break into pro ball. So maybe there's a plus side there, but yeah, I mean, I, I did like the Rockies draft. Uh, even with that pick, because uh, but yeah, I, th- I thought they was it McMahon. I thought that was pretty a good good deal for them where they got him, and he's the sort of kind of sinker changeup pitcher who might work really well in Colorado. So I thought that was a nice pick for them, and they get, they added. Uh, I like Sam Weatherly, not necessarily in Colorado, but uh, he's a guy I, I wanted the Tigers to take eventually, but no such luck. No, I thought the Rockies. Yeah, with Mc- 
because I like McMahon. If the Tigers were going to go with a pitcher at 38, I wouldn't mind him at all because with a sinker profile like that in Comerica, I think that would have been a good infielder pit, or infield pitcher to have. But, you know, I, I think for a lot, and a lot of people gave them, uh, a, a, you know, a minus. A-. And Zach Veen was kind of like this, they're, they're talking about him being a refreshing yeah, I mean, pick. A, that is a, a match made in heaven there. Potentially, it was a you know best combination of hit and power among the high school draft class, and he gets to <laughs> to Colorado where he might just be able to launch. So uh, yeah, that could that could be a really good pick for them. And also, I mean, Case Williams is a hometown pick for them. And yeah, I don't know anything about him. Yeah, but. I don't know. No, I know nothing about him either. All I know is that he was what well, they signed. I saw it earlier today. He signed, and he's from the area, so he was pretty pumped about being. He was originally supposed to play baseball at Santa Clara, so mm-hmm. he has a chance now to potentially pitch in Colorado, so his hometown. And yeah, yeah, I, I don't know. And I, I liked Blomgren too. You know, I had him going to the Tigers in the fifth round in my mock draft just because he just seems like the, the sort of kid who's going to get the most out of his averageish tools. And I thought, you know, I thought teams might want that in a five round draft, so. I think that'll be a decent pick for them. Yeah, and and, and the thing the thing about Colorado is too with you know they have, they still have this Nolan yeah not all yeah you know, they have, they have a whole cloud hanging over the head right now and so they it, with Weatherly and, and the the focus more on building up their their pitching in the in the system a little bit. I'm surprised also I'm kind of surprised a little bit and we'll it kind of segues into the unsigned market so. The Tigers haven't really. Before we get to the actual draft picks themselves, I know everybody's waiting on being a breath run on that. But in terms of the unsigned guys, you look you look at teams like Kansas City that have gotten really aggressive with it so far. Um, and team how teams are recruiting, like imagine a team like Colorado, like just saying, "Hey, all they have to say is thin air." Yeah, <laughs> I mean, well, like, yeah, I mean, the Colorado did add. I think they've added one player, and I don't know was it a pitcher or not, but. Yeah, I mean, it's not where – I don't think it's where pitchers really want to go. I mean, I think if you're really super competitive, you want to be the guy that goes like, you know what, I don't even care. I'm going to go there and I'm going to shove. But uh, it's not always that easy, and, and especially if you've got – and I think it's basically that the breaking balls don't break as much at that altitude, which is kind of tough. Yeah, the, the Rockies sign a catcher out of uh, South, uh, South Carolina, Akin, Luke Leaser Lezering. There we go. That's uh, I don't know nothing about that. I don't know about that guy, but the uh, the Royals though. I mean, I know you were talking about how well they did on the they they clearly cleaned up. Not only they had a really good draft, but they're unsigned guys. So you have in terms of guys in the top five hundred for Baseball America, you have Chase Wallace, you have Tucker Bradley, AJ Block, who was number twenty on the top undrafted seniors list. John McMillan. Yeah, Tigers drafted him last year. Oh, that's right. Yeah, they did out of what the thirty fourth round or something like that, right? Something like that. I don't even know if it was that late. I thought it was in like the twenties, but yeah, I mean they drafted AJ Block and and John McMillan last year, and so the Royals got two of the better senior seniors out there. And you said you mentioned Kellenhoff and uh, was it Garza? Garza, yeah, Garza. They ended up getting two more, you know, top five hundred catchers. And Imsoff, I, I actually thought he was going to get drafted because he's a catcher with some legitimate power. So that was that was probably one of the best undrafted free agent signings. That was uh, there, so yeah. I'm, I, 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 you know, Baseball America had a nice little article about about that about players uh, 
how teams were recruiting players. And basically, Imsoff said he had, I think he had like 20, 25 different calls and basically picked the Royals because he saw their catcher depth chart and didn't think it was uh, going to be an obstacle for him to get to the majors. And so I, I'd like to believe that all these prospects are looking at the Tigers and going, no way, farm system too good, can't do it. <laughs> but uh, I don't think that's what's happening. I, I really, and again, I, I have zero knowledge of this, and maybe they have already added a bunch of people and they're just waiting, but the Tigers are, I think there's only two teams, three teams left now. The Angels haven't had anybody, and I don't think Tampa has added anybody. I think the Tigers are the only other team that hasn't signed any free agents yet. So it just it feels like, Either their, either their presentation is awful, uh, or they're not really trying. And, and I have to believe, given the other two teams that haven't signed anybody, you know, the Angels, who already Moreno, people uh, talk about him being super cheap, and the Tampa, which never really spends any money, it feels like maybe they're just not trying. So I don't know. Maybe they're waiting until they sign everybody else. But yeah, I mean, there's the 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 Cubs cleaned up. I mean, the club the Cubs got yeah. pretty aggressive. The Red Sox did. They there's teams like that that really stand out. Kind of stand out because I mean, Boston had a really strange draft, and they kind of almost played almost felt like they were playing the smartest guy in the room syndrome with that. Yeah, it felt, it felt like a Matt Millen draft. <laughs> and no, it, 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 even like I remember that when he had the 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 GM. Um, had that sweater, that carnival, that whole, that entire sweater going. That was that was pretty funny. It was just like, yeah. seemed out of place. But uh, no, I you know what one signing I did like that I I thought that maybe the Tigers because of lack of lefties because I'm always a fan of lefties is Antonio um, Belarez uh, or Viez, the left-hander out of Florida State, who's in ACC yeah. country, but nothing. I mean, there's no relievers. Now there's no talk. Yeah, and I mean the other teams in the in division. Kind of quiet in terms of having a quiet unsigning period. The Indians signed three players. The White Sox signed a lefty, Ty uh, Magnerol, uh, or yeah, Nick Madrigal's brother. Yep. The out uh, of St. Mary's. And yeah, yeah. I mean, the, the Cleveland, I didn't think Joe Donovan, I thought he would go back to Michigan to play catcher there. And so, I mean, that's, it feels like getting sniped right from out, out from under you. You know, you get a kid from Michigan. Who's plays a, he's always, teams always want more catchers. And then the Tigers just drafted. One in each of the last two years, but geez, my dog is just chasing me around, squeaking his toy. Yeah, so I, it feels like a bummer to miss out. And, and, and there were a bunch of players that I thought they should target local kids. We mentioned Mason Erla from Michigan State and Mo Hanley from Adrian. I thought those guys would be interesting, but maybe they want to go back. And I thought Erla for sure would sign because he's super old, relatively speaking, for a, I think he's a redshirt junior. Um, so I guess maybe I'm. Holding out hope that maybe he still is, is going to sign with the Tigers, but because that would, he'd a guy, he'd be a legitimate top 50 prospect for him. He was like a top 200 arm to, uh, or prospect to Baseball America. So that would be a nice get if that can happen. But I don't know. It's been a little bit disappointing. Yeah. And, and you saw Mason Erla's was rising up in draft classes too. So it's just a, it's a, and even like Seth Longway too. I mean, I thought he would be picked up by now and, Nothing. Yeah, no, he he uh, he came out and said he's going back to school. Oh, okay. He was draft eligible sophomore anyway. Oh, um, okay, okay, all right. I did not see that. My bad. Yeah. So no, I mean he was a guy like you can hope, but yeah, he's he's a guy who he really he'd probably benefit a great deal. He'll probably go in the top five rounds next year, or at least top ten, and still get a lot more money than twenty grand. But you always, I mean, I I understand the 
how it might be conflicting for players because, you know, you go back, you get hurt, and then what? You know, you you miss your chance to go into pro ball. But I don't know. I would I would probably bet on myself, too, if I were a pretty talented kid. Well, then, so, you know, 20 grand is nothing. I'm going to go back and get 400, 500 next year. I mean, even somebody like, for example, you, you would think that a guy like uh, – I'm trying to think of um, uh, okay, you know, here's a good example of this. You have the senior, like they, the seniors who weren't picked up either so far. You have the likes of AJ Block, mm-hmm. who has some, who has some good, and then the other guy in, my, in the Miami's rotation, Brian Van Bell. You think we get a, yeah. an opportunity, or even a, a guy in, in right in Michigan, or excuse me, in the Tigers' wheelhouse too, right in there where they've been drafted a lot of. And the, in North Carolina, and Blake Brown. So, I mean, you you wouldn't think that at some point a team like the Tigers would be give him a stand or Luke Smith, a lefty, uh, another guy, a classic Tiger, Cam Shepard, the shortstop out of Georgia. Yeah, did he he hasn't signed with anybody? I don't think. Right? I don't think, yeah, I don't think I so think either. He's a guy who he he. I think he. I don't know if he got drafted last year or, or what, but he's a weird case where he was like he looked like a potential first rounder as a freshman, and then just never got any better. Uh, and actually got, I think, a little bit worse. So he's a guy who I think just wants to go back to Georgia for one more year probably. Um, but, yeah, I mean, there were there were three or four. There was Scott McKeon, who the Tigers drafted last year, who somebody else picked up, Block, McMillan, and then Drew Smith, who I, I've talked about, who is kind of like Michael Kirian that you found. Like, he's a fan of the Tigers. I'm like, man, <laughs> you can't go out and get a guy who's actually a fan of your franchise, then what, what's the problem here? But, yeah. you know, obviously kids have to look at it through – through uh you know prospect depth and if you see a whole bunch of infielders ahead of you maybe you don't want to do it but that's what baseball america was saying you know you see a lot of the teams that that signed like the red sox and the cubs have pretty lousy farm systems uh the royals are kind of in the middle of the pack but i don't know we'll see you know it is still early and i think players can sign up until like a week or a month before the next draft so who knows what'll happen yeah yeah, exactly. It could be even with the announcement of the season potentially happening, they, they could announce a couple of players being signed. But let's so Spencer Jorgensen, we talked about uh, Dingler. So let's go into the third round a little bit and talk about a guy who could have been picked at number thirty-eight, but went end up going number sixty-two, and they got their man and Danny Cabrera, the left left-hitting outfielder out of LSU, and. Again, the Tigers have a really good pedigree with LSU players in, in the past, and so they get their guy there, good contact hitter, good outfielder, picks up spin well. Talk about him, Chris, a little bit. Yeah, you know, it's it's interesting because, and we actually got a question about, about him, I think, but th- there was definitely a guy that some people wanted the Tigers to take with their 38th pick, the second round, and to see him last another 24 picks or whatever was like, that felt kind of wild. Uh, but it's one of those – it just it was a very unusual draft. And, and ordinarily, we talked about it before, like ordinarily college hitters who perform move up. They end up in the you know first round or early just because it, it's teams play it safe. But they're in that, you know, from the competitive balance round to the second – through the second round, there's a lot of a lot of teams making moves. You know, that, I think that's when Ginn went and just uh, – and, and I think teams were just like, you know, we, we don't uh, – we don't want to play it safe this year. And uh, so, yeah, it, it, it's you could make the argument that the Tigers got three first round picks with their first three picks, which is kind of crazy. I, I think he was more like a second rounder and, and 
there were some some I had heard rumors both of him moving up and moving down heading into the draft. And I think the, the moving down rumors kind of went out, apparently. Yeah. And you know what, too? There is one thing that the entire thing about the where is it? What was my note? OK, yeah, here's a question about Cabrera. And this is from Marty Tallman or at Marty Tallman. Why do you think Cabrera fell? What's the upside of Gene or Gage Workman, and what players have the best chance for make, playing the majors in 2021? And I think, you know, again, Chris, we talked about this earlier with uh, Dingler. I think with just teams looking for, wow, I can't believe this guy's here. Let's go draft this guy. And that's why Cabrera fell, at least in my opinion. Uh, yeah, no, I think I think you're right. I think there's a lot of, and I I was listening to. Uh, Baseball America has this sort of from the farm to the or phenom to the farm or whatever these podcasts about uh, pros and their their experience getting drafted and going through the minors and stuff. And some of the, the draft stories are really interesting because they'll be like, hey, they'll call up a kid and they'll be like, hey, uh, we're going to take you for 300 grand with our next pick. Will you sign if we do that? And, and the kids will say, yeah. And that pick comes up and they don't take them. And they'll call the kid back and be like, hey, listen, we didn't think this other guy was going to be available. We'll take you for 300 grand with our next pick. Is that cool? And so that's, that sort of stuff happens all the time. And so it may be that people liked Cabrera, but other players they liked more just kept showing up, like getting left on the board. Um, but I think I, ultimately I think Cabrera fell because teams aren't big believers in his power. And so he kind of becomes a little bit of a, a uh, tweener, like a classic tweener where, you know, as Harris pointed out, that he ran a six, uh, six, six, 60, which is like, you know, plus speed, uh, it Cape Codley, but for whatever reason, it doesn't really play in games. And so nobody really expects him to be able to play center field and he might not have the arm for right field. So then you're talking about a left fielder and people like the hit tool, but I don't think they consider it really like a, a true plus. And they wonder if he's got anything more than average power, maybe not a fringe average power. So it's kind of like, you just, you just wonder if you're getting enough impact from a left field bat there. I think that's what the teams are worried about. And it's, it's one of those things where I don't think like, you know, a lot of guys, you, you take a guy who's got good contact skills and you think, all right, we'll, we'll teach him to launch a little bit more. And it just feels like maybe that's not something that they're going to be able to do with Cabrera. But at the same time, like, I don't, there are players really successful major leaguers who have this sort of profile, like a Michael Brantley, you know, like Michael Brantley up until recently, I don't think he ever hit more than like 20 home runs in a season. And, but he was always hitting for average and, and, always playing left field. He's not a center fielder. He's not a right fielder, but if you could hit, you might be really valuable. So I don't know. I still think it was a pretty good pick for them. I just, I think maybe Cabrera was a little bit overrated by sites. Uh, and, and I think where he was drafted kind of reflects that just because there's, there's questions about the power. Yeah. So Martin, thanks. But first and foremost, Marty, thanks for the question. And the more I, the more I read about Cabrera too, just nothing in terms of even like a, a, a I guess he, you know, you see the piece by Chris Mikowski in the Detroit News that he's going to be out to prove some people wrong and yada yada and and that and, that, and that's great. Right. I hope he does. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, he's got he's got a good walk rate. I mean, he gets on base, which is something that you don't you yeah, like he, to see. He performed for for two plus years, uh, and and in the Cape Cod, so it's there's a lot to like about him. It's just I don't know teams. I think teams talk themselves out of players at times, and and that, that's the benefit to other teams. They just play. Well, he's on our board. Let's take him. So. Yeah, case of point, like the Dodgers did with Clayton Beater at number pick number yeah. sixty six. I mean, that's a pick that, like you, I think you said something on Twitter. Like that guy, it just seems like he's going to be a a starter for the 
Dodgers. No, no I, I, his future future Dodgers closer. Yeah, there, that's, uh, that's that's what he said. Okay. Because yeah, I mean he's he's a guy who there were mock drafts that had him going as high as like fifteenth, like a week before the actual draft, and then to see him fall all the way down, I, I I wonder if it's a medical. I think somebody had pointed out that he's got more more surgeries in college than wins, something like that. Jeez. <laughs> oh, or a game started, something like that. But um, yeah, I mean, it, it's it's a monster arm with fastball and, and breaking ball. But you no, know, so the was the other question was uh, what did he ask? He asked about Gage Workman. Yeah, he asked about uh, what's the upside of Gage Workman. So yeah, I mean, we can go with that, or do you want to just keep going through the draft picks? Oh, uh, we'll go through. We'll, we'll go back to it because we can. We'll get when we get to Gage Workman, we'll get we'll address that real quick. So yeah, okay. Um, but yeah, t- you know, Trey Cruz, who I got right. I mean, Chris, let me tell you the story of me sitting in the living room. So they're announcing the third round pick, and I was sitting on the couch. I had my laptop. I'm doing tweets for Motor City Bengals and everything set up. And my wife is outside gardening, or she was. I'm sorry, she was watering the plants up front. And you hear the pick. I go, and um, my we have a the neighbor is sitting there talking to her, and all of a sudden, I you hear me go, yeah. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> hell yeah, woo! And every and Sarah doesn't even without skipping a beat. Just is like he's watching baseball. And um, Trey Cruz, shortstop out of Rice. I thought he'd be a good pick because of the bloodline thing. Which uh, Chip and I have talked about this a little bit. He was talking about how bloodlines are kind of like a more of a journalistic narrative, and I understand that. But switch hitting, he again got. A, he was a really he had a good eye at the plate. You like his potential in the in, you can play second base or shortstop. The hit tool, decent power might not come there, but still, as uh, Jay Markle would, uh, Jay Markle said on Twitter, he might be a little bit of a kind of a a, a bat first kind of u- utility infielder, which is not a bad thing. But I I like the pick, obviously for selfish reasons, but also at the same time, you know, you look at Casey Martin, who the Tigers were projected to pick at some point in the second round. He fell all the way down in the same round at 87 at Philadelphia. Yeah. No, I mean, I think I think scouts were basically in agreement that Casey Martin cannot hit breaking balls. He cannot hit spin. And so they're hoping that maybe they can work on that or maybe, uh, you know, at that point, it's just, you know, worth it to you get a guy who goes up and hits 200 but still playing enough, uh, doing enough with other stuff to, to help you out. But no, and Cruz, I mean, that was, that was an interesting pick because like you, you, you'd written about it. And so that was cool. And I listened to the podcast uh, that you did with the other MCB guys. And that was really, it's really kind of funny listening to that because you were doing it as Cabrera got drafted, I believe. That's correct. Yeah. And then during the podcast, you mentioned, you do say, I like to see him take Trey Cruz and then somebody else. And I, I don't know whose name, who it was, I don't recognize those guys uh, voices yet. Uh, so yeah, I'd like to see Gage Workman. <laughs> it's just kind of funny, like, oh man, look at this. These these soothsayers predicting the future. Uh, they must have all been super happy. But uh, yeah, I mean, so the, the cruise pick, I was fine with it. Uh, although I think I really wanted Anthony Servideo, who I think with with the next pick. Yes, he um, uh, yes he he was the yep he was the next pick. Which is something that that uh, I'm just gonna kind of follow those two. Uh, to the future just to compare. And I think Servideo has a much better chance of sticking at shortstop, but I don't think he's got the offensive upside. Or at least, uh, I don't know, maybe maybe he does. We'll see. But, uh, yeah, no, Cruz. So I 
basically they, they came out. Cruz was the first of the draft class to sign and he signed for an overslot deal, which just kind of baffled me. And it's not, not that I like want to hate on him or anything like that, but it, 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 he seemed very much like the Cody Clemens play that they made a couple years ago where they, they took Cody Clemens about a round before he was expected to go. And I think that same thing happened with Cruz basically. Uh, but he's a little bit older for the class and he's got this family that played a lot of baseball. So you think that they're not, they're not hurting for money. So I just figured, yeah, okay, that's a, that's a great pick to save some money. And then we, we thought maybe they used it in the fifth round, but then they come out and give them over slot money. And it's just kind of confusing. But that said, maybe they have a really good evaluation on them. They really like him a lot. And uh, yeah, I mean, if you, if you get a switch hitting infielder who can hit for a little bit of power and stay on the infield, play second, play short a little bit, then that's guy could be a really valuable player. Uh, and if he moves around the diamond, that's fine too. But yeah, I mean, he, he's, I, I would probably rate him the lowest of their five draft picks, but that's not really a knock on him. They just really, <laughs> they really did well in the draft. So he's basically in previous drafts, the, the more recent drafts, they would get, you know, they, they get a solid first rounder. And then in the second round, they start drafting a bunch of uh, Trey Cruzes. <laughs> so uh, they've done better this year. Instead of drafting fourth rounders in the second round, they, they got a whole bunch of second rounders and first rounders and then drafted a fourth rounder in the third. So I'm cool with it. And I hope that he does well. Yeah. And, and I, his father I, flicked me off. <laughs> Yeah, uh, we got to put that Jose Cruz Jr. flicked off Chris. I mean, like Cruz. Yeah, he gave me the finger. Finger. And, and as I said, I absolutely deserved it because I was heckling him, drunkenly heckling him all, all all game, and he gave us the sly middle finger in his glove, and we saw it. We yelled at him. It was good fun, but whatever. Yeah, just at the, like the time I got kicked out with Mudhens game at a bachelor party oh, right. ten years ago because my buddies were drunk and they're looking up uh, Columbus Clipper pitchers and trying to taunt this guy, but. So the next guy at pick 102 was Gage Workman, which was the question that we got from same thing with Marty was talking about uh, Marty's to finish up Marty's question. The upside of Gage Workman, I could I could start this a little bit here in terms of because we had a chance here in uh, Motor City Bengals to I know Jay, uh, Jay did a good write up on him, but his versatility. I mean, defensively, he's a really good player. He could play the left side of the infield pretty well and the power upside is great. And so mm-hmm. there you have to like that. It comes with a, it comes with the price a little bit. He does strike out a lot, but here's a guy who I thought was, I mean, you saw Achille Williams going number seven th- over a uh, number 37 overall. And I thought that workman would go before him. So um, I was really surprised that he fell down here. At number one, one Oh two. Yeah. I mean, that was one of the biggest, uh, one of the more shocking I mean, I, I had him in, in my mock. I had him going in like the fifties, and and that that point, I said he was sliding. Uh, so to go fifty picks later than that was just kind of wild to me. And, and you said it. I mean, there's there are some concerns there. His strikeouts are are too high, some swing and the miss. But but there's a lot to like. You know, he he fits a lot of things that you know analytically inclined teams, progressive teams would would pick. You know, he's so young for the draft class. I think I think I said he's like. He's 20 11 months older. Yeah. He's, he's like 11 months older than Riley green. Wow. Or something like that. Yeah. He's, um, and he's, you're just talking about switch hitter with power. He's probably much more from the left side, but if you're going to be a switch hitter who struggles from one side, you know, if it's the right side, just fine. I'm, I'm okay with that because what 
75% of pitchers are, left, are right-handed, so you're going to be betting left-handed most of the time anyway. But, yeah, I mean, there's there's defensive ability there, like you said, and there's offensive upside. And and so, like, I don't know. When, when you want to the, – the we go, like, the 99th percentile upside of Gage Workman, just, like, absolute dream scenario. You're talking about, like, a four-win player, four-win switch hitter playing shortstop. You know, because he he's played shortstop in the Cape Cod League, and they should probably give him a try. It it would be kind of it's kind of a tough needle to thread there, where you, you want him to basically keep his agility and and play a passable shortstop while also improving his power, which might be impossible to do. But like, you know, you're thinking like a Carlos Guillen without without like the 300 batting average, hitting more like 260. That would be an amazing outcome. Obviously, They're probably more likely, and again, still maybe 99th percentile. Is uh, you know he sticks at third base and becomes kind of uh, a guy who's going to hit you 20, 25, 30 home runs while hitting two forty to two sixty and, and becoming, I don't know, and, and, and he's athletic like you said, and, and he's a pretty good runner, so he might give you double digit steals. So I was thinking maybe like a Todd Frazier, like a switch hitting Todd Frazier. Uh, That's which, not bad. That's not bad you know, either. I think I think Frazier had a couple years where he bombed like forty home runs, or whatever. I don't I don't know if that's going to be the case. Obviously, you don't want to protect anybody, but. But I think that's the kind of upside you, you might see. A guy who's not going to hit for a ton of average, but he's going to play solid defense and hit for some power. And for a fourth-round pick, that's uh, pretty outstanding. And again, you know, he, he was mostly ranked as like a second-rounder, so it was, it was a, a steal. Definitely. And he had a he had a, he had a solid Cape Cod, too. I mean, 266. But it, here's where you, you, you kind of give you a pause a little bit. 44 strikeouts with just 10 walks, but still yeah. playing for the Brewster Whitecaps. So, I mean, at some point, I, you probably see him starting in West Michigan, which, by the way. Yeah, I would think so. Uh, we're going to have Dan Hasty on next week, by the way. Dan Hasty and oh, Trevor. Nice. Yeah, so Dan, yeah, there's a surprise for you. And then Trevor Hooth from Bless You Boys could talk some prospects with us next week. So those are going to be our two guests just want to throw in there. But, yeah, it, and for Workman, you're just talking about too. He's a switch hitter too, right? Mm-hmm. So to be 20 years old and they have that kind of moldability, if they can have, if, if the Tigers, while they do a really good job with pitching, developing their pitching talent too, if they can get somebody to help them work on his strikeouts a little bit, it, it, we've said this before, what they are is what you are. You know, you, if you're a guy who strikes yeah. out a lot, you are what you are. But at 20 years old, you're still a little bit manageable and you can still, it, there's anything if you have if reading the MVP machine, anything is possible to fix anything. So if they can fix something they see quickly, then it would help them out. And also, not to mention, if you look at the in the grand scheme of things in the minor league system right now, and for shortstops, you have Sergio Alcantara right now, who's a light hitting defensive first shortstop. They have a lot of like, like, like why I don't know how to say it, skinny dudes, and this guy is like six four. Mm-hmm. He's like stocky dude, and. You have a kind of a almost a good situation with Paredes all said, which what by the way, during the draft they're like, Oh yeah, Paredes is gonna play left now. Wait, what? Like what was I know that was all oh, that was really <laughs> yeah, strange. Well, that was, yeah, Lynn Henning, I think when yeah. yeah. suggested that. Yeah, it uh I mean, listen, like we said, if if Torkelson can handle third base, uh Isaac Paredes is not going to get it in his way. They'll f- figure out what else to do with Isaac Paredes and worry about it. They'll trade him or whatever. Um or was it? Isaac, pretty like he's yeah. uh, but yeah, no, you're right. We talked about it before that the Tigers, even though they took a billion infielders last year, none of them are really true shortstops, and, and Workman really isn't either. But he has the most upside of any of those uh, infielders they took last year, and and if he sticks a shortstop, then that's all the better. Um, you know, and then they you know the 
taken shortstops in the international market and stuff like that. I don't think Adenso Reyes is going to stick at shortstop either. But, you know, who knows? Maybe that could be a, a, a free agent target in the future. You just want you just you don't really worry about position in the draft. You just take the players you like. But yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I, I think you look at Workman's sophomore season at Arizona State, and there's absolutely nothing wrong with it. He hit like 330. He struck out you know more than once a game, which is not ideal. But he walked a fair amount, and he had like a 200 ISO. So with with nine or eight or nine steals. So yeah, I mean this is uh, there's upside there for sure. He was just kind of off to a, a bit of a slow start this year. Yeah, and the pick that surprised us all, the fifth, the last pick in the draft, and there, this, I, I, when his name was called, I did not, I'm not, I'm not here, but I know you, I know Jay was, uh, Jay Markle was pretty excited about it, and that is a guy, Keith Colt, excuse me, um, <clears throat> sorry, uh, Colt Keith, <laughs> yeah, yeah, Colt Keith, rather, I'm sorry, I was, <clears throat> yeah, Colt Keith, they, you know, some places have him as Keith Colt. But I know it's Colt Keith and Colt Keith Colton. Colton. Yeah, sorry. Colton yeah. Keith. And he is a guy who was the Gatorade player of the year. And we talked about you and I talked about this offline a little bit about the history of that and how in yeah. Mississippi players. I like your I like your factoid about that. Chris, talk about that factoid before we get into him a little bit. Yeah, well, I think this is going to be one of my first articles at MCB, if not my first article, is is there is a stigma against Mississippi high school players uh, because it, uh, they, they don't usually work out. I mean, uh, you don't want to, and that's one of the weird things with, with Cole Keith, because he moved to Mississippi, I think as a sophomore or junior, he was from Arizona before that, or he lived in Arizona. And that's probably why he was going to Arizona state. Uh, but yeah, th- there's a long history of Mississippi high school players, not really doing a whole lot, either not even making it to the majors or flaming out that the, the best player, high school player ever out of Mississippi is Charlie. What was his name? Oh boy, I've forgotten. I was going to say Charlie Daniels, but that's not right. Devil went down the Georgia. He had a soul soul seal. Yeah, but uh, it, you know, Billy Hamilton is like number two. They're, they're top out of about ten more for that's the best ever for a high school player out of uh, out of Mississippi. So there's a, there's a little bit of a stigma there, and I don't know. It could just be one of those silly things where like it just hasn't happened yet because there hasn't been a great player out of there yet. But yeah, um, yeah, to see Austin see Riley and, and oh, Austin, Austin Riley, Riley yeah. yeah. Go ahead, I'm sorry. He's, he's at like 0.1 war for his career. Uh, he may he may end up being, you know, the the best of, of all of them. He certainly has the power potential, but yeah, it's it's just it's one of those weird little draft nuggets that like there's never been a first baseman taken first overall, even though <laughs> Torgelson was a first baseman, and there's never been a high school right hander taken first overall. It's just one of those weird things that that I don't know if there's anything behind it, but. But yeah, I mean, still, I mean, this was a top 60 talent to Baseball America. I mean, he's a little bit, he was top 100 to, to MLB Pipeline. So, but generally we're talking about a second or third round talent and to get him in the fifth round, it just, I think everybody, most of the hardcore draft followers had just assumed that he was going to school because uh, he, he thought maybe he would have been an overslot early signing even. And then we find out today the Tigers signed him for just a uh, half a million dollars, which is over slot for the fifth round, but not nearly as much. I thought he was going to cost him like 1.5 million. So that, yeah. well, it does give you a little bit of a pause. Like, wait, why no other teams are offering him that much is what's the deal. But you know, who knows? Like I was saying with the, the, uh, those baseball America draft podcasts, I mentioned the one kid who, who got, I think they said he was going to, 
asked if he would sign for 300,000 or something like that. And he said, yeah. And then another team called him and said, Hey, will you sign for 150,000? He was like, yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> he cost himself $150,000 just because he wanted to play pro ball. And so who knows? I mean, maybe, maybe Keith lowered his price there at the end. Cause he just really wanted to play pro ball and the Tigers were the beneficiary, or maybe they uh, were one of the few teams who were like, no, we only want you as a hitter. Or I, I, I don't really know, but uh, yeah, I mean, it certainly looks like a, it's the sort of pick that they haven't made a ton. I mean, I guess you got Parker Meadows a couple of years ago, but that was a second rounder. And and just, you know, to get a, get a top talent like this in the fifth round is really, really impressive. It really capped off a, a, a very solid draft. Yeah, I mean, it, here, here's the thing, too. Like, you you get excited for a guy like this because of his potential. And then it, for for us, just watching the draft as much as we have, the Tiger, the, the initial thought was, wow, they drafted a two-way player? You know, wow, that's it's actually just kind of like, that's, that's rather awesome. And so you, you have that, comparatively speaking, to where I felt better about it than, like, for example, I don't like Baltimore. They, it's like just, Baltimore, even with um, passing up Martin for Henston uh, Kerstad, who was projected high, don't get me wrong, but I think they might get a better value out of Jordan Westberg. Um, yeah, it's definitely possible. I mean, he's, 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 the Kirstad's not going to give you much in the way of defensive value or, or value on the bases. That's for sure. I mean, he's, he's a right fielder and it's all about his bat. So if the bat doesn't work, then that's kind of a, it's a tough pick, but he very well may, may hit the hell out of the ball. Uh, so, but no, you're right. I mean, I don't know. The, the, the thing about Cole Keith is he, he wasn't, I think I mentioned this to you. He wasn't in the under armor game. And he wasn't in the perfect game, All-American game, or classic, All-American classic. And I, he wasn't on Team USA. So he was certainly on the the showcase circuit, but he just wasn't really, for whatever reason, he didn't fit in with all those other teams. Um, but he was in the uh, major, major League Baseball, like the inaugural PDP League. He was in that. I think he was on Team Jeter. Uh, and he, he made the All-Star game for that. And that wasn't on TV. It was streamed live, but I recorded it. Uh, and so I was before the show, I was cutting up clips. He, I think he got one at bat and he actually pitched an inning. So I'm cutting that up and it's going to be on Tigers minor league report. So people can actually see him a little bit. There's not a ton of video there, but it's something, but yeah, you see, you see, you see the tools. He's got, you know, big arm. He can, he's, he's got a lot of, uh, you know, power in his swing. It's just a matter of, you got to take this kind of, I say raw, not like, you know, he's a pretty, pretty solid prospect but you know any any high school kid is going to be comparatively raw so they just get tigers have to develop them which is i mean that's the, the big step you can kill the draft but they have to turn these players into major leaguers now that's the hardest part so we'll see what happens yeah and uh we that kind of leads into the one of the questions i got tonight from uh patrick underscore jb13 and he asks roger has al and front office presentation snagged and un have they re- snagged the unfra- uh, undrafted free aging yet? Is this a concern since we offer the most opportunity? Number two, Tigers went over slot on one drafty. Maybe many thought would be under slot. Will it impact the the one high school player likely to have to go over slot for uh, slot on? And this is, I think, before it was signed. So, um, Chris, I'll let you go ahead and uh, take this question, and I'll give my opinion. Yeah, I mean, I think we we already kind of. The undrafted free agent stuff, I think we touched on that a little bit. Yeah. It, it's, uh, I don't know. I thought for sure the Tigers would be uh, players in that market, and they just haven't been, which is somewhat disappointing. At least they haven't been publicly. 
Uh, and yeah, you know, I was worried originally with the Trey Cruz signing that they signed him for over slot. I'm like, what does this mean? Do they blow it with one of the other players? But uh, yeah, when the Colt Keith signing came out and he was only barely over slot, I, I don't think that's, I don't see any reason why they can't sign the other four dudes. Um, I mean, I think it, it, maybe Workman would want to go back to school. Maybe he wants more money because he'll still be pretty young next year. But I, I think they, they're going to be able to give these guys a, a fair amount of money in every position. And, and so I'm not really worried about it. I think they're, I think they'll be fine. Same here. I, I think I did read, that I think Workman is going to sign. So they, one thing about the one thread about them all in common, Chris, I think you could safely say is that they're all like good clubhouse guys. So there's nothing, there's no questionable characteristics or anything about that with the exception I mean, even with Colt, we don't know too much about him, but it, from my understanding, he would seem like you know, his. What, go ahead. Yeah, we, we no, no, you're right. I mean, that's the, we we don't really know. I yeah, I read McCoskey wrote an article about him, and he seems like a really super confident kid, uh, which I tend to like in in players. Uh, maybe it. I mean, it's not a, the sort of thing that would disqualify a player for me. Um, Same here. But yeah, yeah, I mean, I, I don't know anything else about you know any behind the scenes stuff. Yeah, no, and, and look, I, I don't know anything about it either, but I know that Cruz is a good guy in the clubhouse. He's a good team. Like, a lot of people rate, like gave him a lot of praise. Same thing with Workman for being so young, and especially Torkelson. And Dingler was just a bulldog out there for coming back from having a broken hand. And so. Yeah, and they, I remember early on, we, we saw the, like, there was a story about him. He became the first sophomore captain at Ohio State since. Like I think their current manager or something like that. So it was like you know, I and mean, that that tells you that, that he's a he's probably gonna be a great team leader. So yeah, I mean that's a great point, Roger. That that I think they really got a lot of good kids too. So yeah, hopefully they're all gonna maximize their tools, and the Tigers will give them what they need to succeed. Absolutely, and they and they definitely into the prospect board too. The minor league report will have a prospect update. We've woken up the Bear and James Shipman, and we, we've been talking some draft stuff the last couple of days. It's funny because. He was messaging me the entire night we're at your house, and I was just like, he had some really good interesting. He's like, well, you know, this, this, and this. And I'm like, all right, ship, there we go. So I'm coming out of hibernation again, and getting him going is always a good thing. So we do have a question from our friend in the Netherlands, at Nopes. By the way, one of my favorite Twitter accounts, and he's a good responsibility wire. Tigers SRD is planted their flag in the Netherlands. His question was, it feels like all the teams in AL Central, maybe minus the Twins, had a very good draft this year. Who do you think has the best farm system at the moment? And bonus question, which AL Central team will be the first to reach the World Series? I'll go, I'll, I'll, I'll leave this off. In terms of drafts-wise, I thought the Royals had a good draft. I really liked the Royals draft. I thought the Royals, they got Asa Lacey to compliment a team that really had, they have two, they have two guys, uh, two lefties in their system already that I believe um, Nick, uh, I'm actually working on an article about them, ironically enough. Um, oh God, I'm drawing a blank on the names right now at the moment, but the, the Royals they, already, they have Daniel Lynch, Daniel Lynch and Chris Bubich. Yeah. Bubich. Yeah. Bubich led the minor leagues in strikeouts last year in single, a uh, uh, high single A. He, he made the adjustment from low A to high A pretty well. He had 183 strikeouts to lead the minors, and you have also the five arms you got from the 2018 draft. You build on that, and Kansas City gets Lacey right there in their you know they get him in number four. Like it does, it just blows your mind a little bit. Like wow, like they were able to get somebody that can really continue to build out 
a pretty impressive farm system right now. And even when you go down the pick number two, you get Ben Hernandez. Well, you and I were talking about this before. A high schooler with some tremendous upside out of Illinois who's supposed to sign for U- U- Illinois and Chicago, right? Correct? Is that what you told me yesterday we are talking? Yeah. Yep. yep. So he's still developing a secondary pitch, but still very good high upside there. You can afford – I think you, in the Orioles could have, you know, afford to do that too. And they went with a lot of college players heavy last year in, in terms of bats and then continuing the third round with Tyler Gentry out of Alabama. And – I don't. I, I like the Royals. Out of the teams in the division, I thought the Royals and Christian Chamberlain, that lefty out of Oregon State, uh, pick round four was pretty good one. The White Sox, I thought. I, I know. Uh, I know the White Sox got a lot of grief for a lot of the arms they picked, but they did. They did go with a high school arm in Jared Kelly, which there was a guy on Twitter who DM DM'd uh, me about them not taking chances usually on high school pitchers like that. So it was a surprise for them. And really, it, it, I know the Twins had some – Twins got panned a little bit. But other than that, I thought the – to me, the Royals had the best of – I thought they had a really good draft. To answer the second question about the best farm system at the moment, I, I, the White Sox. I mean, you, you, you can't – the White Sox have so much hitting talent – they're a little thin pitching wise outside of Double A, I think, but I, th- I thought you know I think Chicago still has a really good farm system among among the teams, but the Royals are, Royals are really close, and, and maybe maybe the Twins. I mean, it's I don't know, Chris. I mean, is there really is there really a distinction between the Royals, White Sox, and Twins? I mean, they seem like they're all in the same kind of boat to me. In terms of farm system, yeah, yeah. I mean, I think I think all all the teams in the in the Central have pretty good farm systems. Uh, they're just kind of varying degrees of of impact and depth, I would say. Um, like I think the White Sox have the best farm system in terms of impact. They do like their top four. You're talking about Kopech and Luis Rubber and uh, oh, I've drawn like uh, uh, Andrew Vaughn and Nick Madrigal. I mean, you you got those are four potential above average major leaguers right there. And then after that, it thins out pretty uh, pretty dramatically, but. Not many teams can match that top four, but I really, I really like the Cleveland system, which is completely different. They don't have a ton. Of, they got like Nolan Jones, who is in Double A, I think, and, and looks like a potential above-average third baseman. But then they just have this this army of super young, athletic infielders and pitchers down in A ball and below, uh, and and they're they're all you know they just there's so much potential there that I really like their system and they. I really like their draft too. I think they added more of that this year, along with some, uh, you know, some safer college picks. So I don't know. And, and like the Twins, Twins draft was interesting. They, they seemed like they just went all in on power. Um, you know, with Aaron Sabato in the first pick, you know, he's one of the big power hitters. And then they finished up with Kalai Rosario, who was, uh, I think he was one of Jay's favorite favorites in the draft, a big, super strong Hawaiian kid. Um, but yeah, I mean, we talked earlier. I, I don't. I don't think I wasn't crazy about the White Sox draft itself, but they they went big, and again, that's they could be two potential impact players they got rather than, than spreading it out. In uh, the Royals, yeah, the Royals had a really good draft too. I think I, I you know, Lacey getting Lacey at the number four pick is it's a potential ace you got there to go along with a really good crop of pitchers in the minors you know you you stack it up with the tigers and it's it's pretty pretty close so i don't know it's it's, it's going to be a really competitive division i think in the future 
Yeah, and it, you also Nick Lofton too. I mean, that was that was a guy who was projected a little higher in the first round, and and I, I like that. I like in terms of even like a, a good college player to have. You already have Bobby Witt Jr. as your number one prospect, so you have another shortstop, yeah. and I'm sure that they will find a, he, he can play all over the infield. So that's that, that versatility right there, because he has experience in the outfield and the infield. You can put Lofton anywhere, and that's that's a good play there too. In terms of what team is going to get the World Series from the AL Central, man, no, that's a tough that's a tough ass question. But if I'm gonna if I'm gonna take a if I'm gonna take a a, a shot from way downtown, I'm gonna go you know. I'm going to go Chicago. I'm going to go Chicago. So I, I feel like you kind of have to, well, I kind of have to go with the twins, I guess just it, you know, they've, what they win like 95 games last year. Um, they uh, seemingly never have the pitching can ever get over the Yankees hump, but who knows if we got a, if we got a 18 playoffs in a 60 game season coming up. I could see the, the twins, uh, bopping their way through that and winning win the World Series. Yeah, finally getting over the hump. Yeah, but I would I would agree with probably be the Twins and the White Sox and then, uh, you know, take your pick from the, the Cleveland and the Royals and the Tigers. I know I'm not giving a lot of Cleveland a lot of love here, but I just think that Cleveland, when it comes time to, if you look at their history, mm-hmm. when they had, when, the, this, when Jacobs Field first opened, they were able to spend a little bit. They were able to get some of those guys and, help out fill out a really young roster. But until Cleveland gets to that point, I don't know. I, I just, they weren't, I mean, they, they got the world series a few years ago. So, I mean, there wasn't. Yeah. And we know that the Lindor is probably gone in a year or two, but they're, you know, they, they, they're so good at developing pitching uh, that, that I feel like they're going to, you know, that's fine. And they just, they've got a, all this young talent. If someone that can come up, then, then I think they've got a chance, but yeah, I would probably put them third or fourth. Yeah. yeah, I think you're right. You know, the White Sox were kind of going for it. People forget there was a season coming. They, then they, uh, Yasmani Grandal, didn't they sign him? Yep, they signed him. They signed another. And they then, signed uh, Dallas Keuchel. Yeah, and Gio Gonzalez. They say Gio Gonzalez, or am I imagining that? I think you're right. I think it's like his fourth time on the White Sox. But um, no, I think I think that's a good call. So the uh, next question comes from Jake Bowes over this or one of our staff guys. Favorite Tiger picks and favorite picks overall in the draft. Chris, why don't you go ahead and lead this one off? Uh, it's, it's hard for me to pick a favorite Tigers pick. Uh, they just did uh, they did so well. <laughs> like I said, you could argue that they had two first-rounders, maybe three first-rounders, and then maybe three second-rounders if you didn't get uh, three first-rounders. So, I don't know. I, I guess I would probably go with, with Workman or Keith just because those seem like the two biggest deals, like the biggest gets. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I, I could believe anybody saying Cabrera or Dingler or Cruz or any of that. I mean, or you know, Torkelson. <laughs> they had a good draft. Um, I did have a lot of like a lot of picks I liked uh, throughout the draft. I liked. I just go around by around. I like. I really like Veen to Colorado. We already talked about that. You know, and that that potential power there in Colorado. I like McAble. McAble was my favorite prep pitcher in the draft. Him going to the Phillies. That seems like a nice pick for them. Uh, and I like Slade Chaconi to the the Diamondbacks in the. I thought he might go early in the or in the middle of the first round, not the middle, but like in the twenties, to get him in the uh, in this supplemental round or whatever. I thought that was a good deal for them. Round two, I love Hudson Haskins or Hudson Haskins, no S. In uh, the, I just thought he was going to go much later than this, so I was happy to see the Orioles pop him in, in the second round. And he's another one of those potential five tool players that you just don't get out of college very often. And, and so I, I'm curious to see uh, 
I'm excited to see what he does. And you, I think you mentioned Dax Fulton, the Marlins. I really like Dax Fulton too. That's one of the best high school arms to get him in the second is, is awesome. And I thought, you know, the Astros having your picks taken away, the Alex Santos was their first pick, I think of the draft. I thought that was a really nice value for them where they got him. I mean, he's a potential, like on talent alone, he might've been a potential first rounder, but you know, he's a, a kid from New York and, and just barely seen. So that was, I think that was a good deal for them. I already talked about Servideo and Polkovich to the Servideo to the O's and Polkovich to the Mariners. Uh, Petey Halpin. Petey. Petey. Maybe I like him just because his name is Petey, but I, I I like him to the, the Cleveland there in the third round. He's a kid who I think can, can stick in center field. If not, I think he's got a pretty good stick. Uh, so I thought that was a solid deal for them in the third. You mentioned Christian Chamberlain. I like him to the Royals in the fourth. He's just like a, a bulldog. He's probably a reliever in the pro, in pro ball, but he's you know an undersized lefty who just comes right at people with a, a, a like a fastball up to 94, 95 and a really nice breaking ball. Uh, Warren Blakely to the angels. I just like to see local kids. You know, I, somebody asked me on Twitter a couple of weeks ago, if he could get drafted, I'm like, no, nah, I don't think so. And then sure enough, <laughs> local kid goes to the angels. And I think, you know, that's, I think that's a pretty good organization to take a young toolsy kid and then try to coach him up. Uh, and then Carson Taylor to the Dodgers. I mean, it, just basically every pick the Dodgers have is like, oh, that's a, that's a Dodgers pick because they're just good at turning guys into pros. But you're talking about like switch hitter at catcher with power. I'm like, of course. And it, so there's some questions about him sticking at catcher. But, you know, it's, it's obvious that the Dodgers are going to turn him into a solid catcher who hits for a bunch of home runs because that's what they do. And then I'll finish it up. I, I really like Adam Simoneris to the Angels. So I probably should have mentioned the Angels as a draft I like earlier. But uh, he's just a, a polished lefty. In the fifth round, I, I think he's a guy who could outperform that draft slot pretty easily. You know, it's one he's one of those classic lefties who would go tear up the minor uh, the Midwest League for sure. Uh, and then Bailey Horn to the White Sox. You know, I, I kind of crept on the White Sox draft, but I did when I was doing my mock. I think I had Bailey Horn going my final pick, and it was just a really interesting story to me because he's a kid from West Texas, where if everybody remembers back to the Boston Marathon bombing. And how crazy that was like the, the same day or the next day, there was that huge explosion in Texas at like a fertilizer plant. And that was uh, Bailey Horn's hometown. And that fertilizer plant was literally like 300 yards from the high school baseball field. So his high school team had to finish playing baseball on the little league fields. And then he, you know, he's off uh, in junior college, going to sign with Auburn, blows his elbow out, but Auburn sticks with him. He kind of had a, a rough first year with Auburn last year and then was looking good this year. So it's just a, it's one of those cool stories. I think he was up to the mid nineties from the left side. And I was like, all right, well, that, that's a cool story. I like that pick uh, as you should probably just a strictly reliever. And then Bryce elder, who I had the tigers take him in the fourth round, the Braves took him. It's not a sexy pick at all, but he's a guy, just a college college starter with four pitches and, and solid command. He's just, it feels almost like a, like a buck farmer pick to me. Although I think he's, he's, his mechanics are better than Buck Farmer's. So I don't think there's a future in relief for Bryce Elder. I think he, they, the Braves might have gotten themselves like a number four, number five starter there in the fifth round. So I thought that was a good deal. So hopefully that didn't bore too many people. But like I said, there were like 100 players in this draft I liked. So I wanted to mention a bunch of them. Yeah, there, no, that was, that was I, I do like the fact that you mentioned the Braves a little bit because I was, I was kind of pounding on them a little earlier. But they they know what they're doing. Um, they've, they've done a really good job of developing. In terms of Tiger picks, I like. Obviously, I like Cruz. We've talked about that a little earlier. And I did. And I, Dillinger, 
same thing. They needed some more, some more, some quality catching. So that's nothing wrong with that. Gives some Jake Rogers a little pressure, if you will, whatever. But I like the Dodgers. You know, <laughs> Dodgers are like, you know what? Okay, so Gavin Stone, who's their fifth round pick, who was supposed to sign for I think like three hundred thirty-seven thousand dollars, something like that. They gave him a hundred thousand dollars, and he was cool with it. That's how good. <laughs> that you mentioned earlier, right? Was that the guy you mentioned earlier for the Dodgers, or? Uh, no, I was, I was talking about their catcher. Okay. But, but yeah, no, I mean, that's, that's, I think a lot of, that's what's kind of wild about Cruz getting over slot money. So many teams are signing guys to under slot deals because they're basically like, Hey, we're going to give you 200 grand. Otherwise you might not get drafted. What do you want? People are like, all right, fine. So yeah, yeah. I mean, getting a kid for a hundred, uh, it's not bad. I do like Jake Vogel, who was that one of the, it was the only draft player. Fast. Yeah. Fast kid. He was like rated 70. On a scouting sale, so I mean, just occasionally running eighty. So that was that was insane, and he's got pl- he's got some power, and I mean, you, you, although you had to be a concern because there was a back injury that I read about too, but still, no matter. And the Dodgers under development could get this guy, and he's a high school kid who I think they can probably. I think the recommended value for him was five hundred eighty-one thousand dollars. So they could probably get him for that, maybe even lower than that. But it just, I, I think that was a good pick for the Dodgers at that at that round. Going um, also, I did like for Xavier Warren. You talked about him earlier for Central Michigan. I really wanted the Tigers to draft that guy because I, I like his upside potential catcher. He could play the infield. Really have to like those kind of tools about him as well. And the Pirates. I mean, Nick Garcia. At a uh, Chapman University, the right-hander that was picked in round three. I thought the Pirates had a good draft. I mean, I know John Volberg, our friend over uh, on Twitter, is talking about the Pirates, and I kind of I was looking into it a little bit. And Jared Jones is a, a high school kid that they drafted in the second round. But you get you get the guy in Carmen uh, Lenowski, who I know Brandon Day was a big fan of. The Pirates did a really good job drafting pitching, and I thought they they had a really good draft in some of those guys for the Pirates and. Of course, we mentioned Garrett Mitchell earlier for, for the Brewers, but the other pick I like out of all of them, I would have to say, mentioned Chris McMahon earlier. Um, JT Ginn for the Mets. That was another good pick for them. And lastly, Jeff Criswell, he's a Michigan guy, and I'm biased, so for the A's, mm-hmm. and we're picking number 58. So go blue on that. Yeah, and I guess, you know, Cole, Wilk- Cole Wilcox might be a. a- a pretty damn good pick for the Padres. I think they got him in the third round. That's a potential first rounder in the third round. But yeah, if AJ, so many, so many good picks. They're, they're, and if AJ Preller can do, I mean, here's the thing too. Like with the, the way, and I had a chance to look at the Padres. I did the draft recap for how much they've have, how much talent they have in their system. At some point, when's going to be the payoff? So if they can draft Wilcox, that will help them on their lower levels. They got some really good pitching though that's coming up. And you know, you talk about mm-hmm. Kenzie Gore. Um, Virginia, yeah, 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 it's it's, it's they have embarrassment of riches. So, um, Jay Marco, which Tiger draft do you has the best chance to be a top one hundred prospect at the end of twenty twenty two? Chris, so yeah, so I, it, it's kind of I know why Jay said twenty twenty two because the 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 thinking, of course, is that Torkelson will be established or at least out of rookie eligibility at that point, but. <laughs> I was thinking I could might I might be a smart ass and just say it's probably still Torkelson because the odds of him like suffering in the season ending injury in twenty twenty one are probably still higher than like another one of the guys being a top one hundred prospect. But 
to humor him here, uh, I, I think I'll go with Dingler. Uh, and again, you know, it's it's not catchers aren't super sexy, but there aren't a whole lot of catchers that have the kind of raw tools he has. And you, you squint really hard, and you see JT uh, Remuto. Yeah, so there's a name I can't say, JT Remuto. You know, as as a you know a, a catcher who might be able to hit and play good defense and throw and run. It's just it's really rare. I mean, obviously that's again that's like a 99th percentile. But I mean, he's a guy who's going to be able to give you value in a variety of ways, and and so I think that's that's uh, I think a potential top 100 prospect if if he does what we think he can do. And I don't think he would be up in the majors by that point. Catchers take generally take a little bit longer. Although I think Alex Avila made it up by the end of his first full season. But yeah, I mean, I think I think I think he's the best bet in my mind. You know, I'm going to – I thought about this for a little bit and looking at the question. I'm going to go with uh, Cole Keith only because yeah. I think that at some point – here's why. I think in the next year or two, you have to make a decision on some of the players in your system right now. So you you look at the potentially Jake Rogers being your everyday catcher in the next year or two. He's been working on his swing mechanics, trying to get better at that. And I think I think Dillinger – or I said Dillinger um, – Diggler, Diggler, Jesus, um, John Ingler, uh, Dillinger, Dingle, and Dingle, 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 Dingler. I think Dingler has a chance to get up pretty quickly up there. And you're right, granted, Chris. I I understand that catchers do take some time to come up there, but isn't he like 24, 25? Dingler? Yeah. Is he older? I'm in terms of age. No, he. No, he's. I mean, he's 21. But he's almost 22, so he's a little bit older. Okay, I know. Why I thought he was older. I don't know why I th- that well, 24, 25. I'll that out later. I thought it was like tw- I thought it was like 23. <laughs> I thought he was like 23, 24. I don't know why I thought that, but um, no. I look. I just think that you look at Trey Cruz and where he might be. Cabrera, same thing. But I, I don't know. You talk about all the potential upside with Cole Keith. And if he gets off to, I mean, you can see him. I don't know if there's going to, I don't even know if there's going to be Norwich at this point. I don't know what the hell's going on with rookie ball and all that stuff at the moment. But wherever Cole Keefe ends up at, and if he gets off to a really good start, I think in two years, he could probably be either, he'll probably be in high A at that point, maybe. If you see him in high A in two years, that's a top 100 prospect to me. That's what I think. I think if Cole Keefe could get there, Single or high A in Lincoln. So you talk about, so he plays next year, has a good season. You see him in high A or, you know, still or just raking in West Michigan. That's a possibility for me, at least. Yeah. I mean, I think he would be my second choice, but I think for sure that, that those are, I don't know. I, yeah, I could see somebody else saying workman too, but, but yeah. I think that's all the questions, isn't it? Yeah. That's all the questions. Yeah. Work, yeah. Workman. Yeah. See, workman too, but I, I don't have enough of a ba- to be honest with you. I don't have enough of a basis to say that. I, I'm not going to be one of those people who are like, well, you know, from what Scott say, I, I have to see him play in order to make that outside of what I've seen on YouTube, which is what I hope baseball comes back already. But because damn it, I want to see some guys so I can actually make some honest assessments versus what I've seen on, on YouTube. Because YouTube, after a while, gets a little redundant, a little boring. I'm not going to lie. But uh, yeah, <clears throat> um, no, it's. We're gonna have a board. We're gonna coming up. We're gonna have an update coming up to the board here in the next couple of days or so. So we're gonna have a call with Chip. 
there's a lot of things going on that we, we're going to get into, and, and there's going to be some articles coming on both Motor City Bengals and Tiger Minor League Report as we celebrate a year tomorrow. So if you're listening today, if you're listening this morning or this afternoon, whenever you listen to it, it's been one year since the Tiger Minor League Report has started. We're, we really nice. appreciate all the traffic we've been getting lately, and it's been it's a it's essentially a car that has uh, taken a couple of uh, we've changed the wheels a couple times and we've done a lot of work but it, I'm glad we're here and we're co- going to continue we're going to get some more in depth analysis comparatively speaking our minor league coverage is going to continue so love talking baseball love talking to you we we appreciate all the questions this week it was really nice to get all those questions yeah and again thanks to so the podcast is going to be split in two because we just went over an hour on this one so you if you want to listen to Whatever order you're listening to, so Chelsea Ladd, I say her name correctly. Please tell me I said her name correctly. Um, yeah, yeah, you said Chelsea Ladd. Yeah. Okay, all right. I don't know why I thought that. A second, I think it's because I'm getting tired. Chelsea Ladd, who found a, uh, the founder of Dugout Dish, she you can listen to that part of the podcast and sit back and talk about the. the we talked a little bit of draft there. Talked to some indie ball, and we talked about what was going on with the current situation on baseball. But we appreciate you listening. Next week, Trevor Huth. Joins us from Bless You Boys, first-time guest, and, of course, the man, the myth, the legend, Dan Hasty, play-by-play voice of the West Michigan Whitecaps. Also, Motor City Bengals contributor will be joining us, talking a little bit. He's got an article coming out, too, um, a top-five article coming out. And his, uh, If you want to check out his latest, go to MotorCityBengals.com and check out his draft grades. did a really good job with that. And, uh, yeah, Chris, I think we'll be well, you'll be up in a couple days now, right, you, I'm assuming? Hopefully, yeah. 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 That's the hope. Yeah. So fingers crossed on that. Until next week, have a good week, everybody.